0: Hey, thank you for joining us online today. My name is Steve Polk. I'm the executive pastor here at First Baptist Rock Hill, and it's an honor to have you join us uh, for these online sermons. Uh, pastor Steve Hogg is going to bring a really powerful message to you today. Go ahead and grab your Bible, a notepad, and a pen, and get ready to take some notes, write down some questions, so that you can have some conversations maybe within your family later today. Merry Christmas, brothers and sisters. Is Christmas Eve off to a good start for you? Really glad you are here. We had a wonderful time worshiping Jesus in our earlier service, and uh, I'm enjoying this one as well. Um, Thank you. Thank you for being here to worship Jesus. We know he wasn't really born December 25, but this is a day we've chosen to celebrate his birthday, and it's all about him. This month, we've been talking about Advent, and that's just a word that means arrival, appearance, coming, And the Bible teaches there are two advents of Jesus. The one we celebrate at Christmas that took place a little over 2,000 years ago when he was born at uh, Bethlehem, his first coming, his first arrival. And the one uh, that hasn't happened yet. It's out there in the future. We normally refer to it as the second coming. It's the second advent of Jesus, and we've been talking about that this month, and asking what does the Bible teach us in the books of First and Second Peter about those two comings. But it's interesting listening to the music this morning. That last song uh, was talking more about the next one, the second coming, and, and until he comes, we're going to be a, a faithful church. We're going to be a people waiting on him, serving him, and loving him. But most of our songs, especially at Christmas, are carols are about the past Advent, the one that took place in Bethlehem. And, and I love these, these Christmas carols. And I imagine you have your favorites as well. I mean, what, what's your favorite? What are some of the ones you like? I, I love Silent Night. I imagine you love certain ones. I want you to tell the person next to you one of the songs you really love at Christmas. What is it? Go ahead. And no, it's not Santa Claus is coming to town. <laughs> Yeah, y'all getting into this, that's good. And You know, there's a lot of Christmas movies too, right? A lot of, a lot of Christmas movies and, and, uh, and many of them, even the secular ones, at some point you will often hear one of the Christian Christmas carols in that movie. What always interests me, just, it's just interesting, is I know that a lot of the people in those movies don't have a clue what that song's really talking about. And there's all these words in these Christmas carols and, and they're singing them, uh, but they're actors and actresses and many of them don't have, I mean, they don't mean anything to them. They don't, they don't know what those words, and there may be some of you. We sing these Christmas carols and you say, I wonder what that phrase means. What does that word really mean? Our, uh, we just have all these different ideas about Jesus and about God, and some of them are right, and some of them are sort of right, and some of them are just plain wrong. And you see that in these movies all the time. Um, I mean, it's really popular right now, especially among the women in our church, you know, all these uh, Hallmark and the, what, the GAC, the Great American Something Other Family Network, all these Christmas movies on those channels, you know you know what I'm talking about? And, uh, you know, I, I've, watched, I've watched a couple of them because I love my wife, so I've watched them with her. And uh, yesterday, I, I, we were home and I, I said, baby, I, ca- I can't take another one. We're, we're, we're gonna watch an old movie. So we watched Miracle on 34th Street. And uh, Friday, I, I stopped at a local place to get my truck washed. And uh, I, I, I was in the, the waiting area. And there was a woman already in there. And on the television, they had one of these Christmas movies on. And I looked at her and I said, is, is that one of those Christmas movies on the Hallmark Channel? And She got this big old grin and said, yes. Danica McKellar is, you know, she stars in a lot of those uh, Christmas movies. And uh, some of you who are a little older will remember her from when she was a teenager and Winnie Cooper on, uh, what's the name of that show? Wonder Years, I I didn't watch it. So, uh, you know, I remember I saw clips of it, but, uh, and and now she stars in a lot of these uh, Christmas movies. A few months ago, she became a believer, follower of Jesus. And she's still young in her faith, doesn't understand a lot, she's still learning, she admits that. She grew up around Christianity, but she didn't adopt it, and she, she wasn't a believer. And, and she talks about having, having had bias against Christianity and against religion, had some you know, really negative attitudes based on a lot of, a lot of different things, and, and not all of it was accurate, but, it, but it's how she thought. And uh, one of her friends who also stars in a lot of those movies, Candace Cameron Bure, uh, who's a very outspoken follower of Jesus, gave her a Bible and invited her to go to church with her. And she said when she did, it was like she just she, she was flooded with love and, and she met Jesus. And like I say, she's new in her faith, and she's still learning. But she met Jesus, and it's changing her life. And one of the things she said in an interview was, "Even when I'm alone, I don't feel alone anymore, because you know God, who loves me, is always you know He's always with us." And uh, and she said, "You know, you, you think that becoming a Christian is is following a bunch of rules and do's and don'ts, and it's very restrictive and all that." And then and then in the interview, she said, "It's actually the most freeing thing in the world." Because there's a difference between religion and Jesus. It's not that religion is bad, but religion's not the same thing as Jesus. And when you really meet Jesus, it changes things. And and, and there's the freedom to to love and to be healed and to accept forgiveness and to give forgiveness. There's the the, the freedom to just be different. Not because you have to, but because you, you want to. I mean, he just changes everything about your life and so this morning I want to talk about who Jesus is. Some of you either sitting in these chairs or watching uh, on live stream or television have some ideas about Jesus that are sort of right and sort of wrong. Some of you have some ideas that are just plain wrong. And obviously in one sermon, I can't clear up every possible misunderstanding about Jesus. I don't have time. And today I've got less time to preach than normal, but I want want to talk about a a few things. Now we've been reading in our reading plan here at the church, first and second Peter, this coming week, you'll read second Peter. And so The last two Sundays, we've looked at what Peter tells us. Remember, Peter was one of his disciples, okay? One of Jesus 12. So I want you to go ahead and open your Bible to 2 Peter 1. Do you have your Bible? Let me see your copy of it. 2 Peter chapter 1. We've been looking at what Peter, this disciple of Jesus, tells us about the past Advent, the first coming of Jesus. And then last Sunday, what he tells us about the the future Advent, the one that hasn't happened yet, when Jesus comes the next time. Today, I want to look at what Peter teaches us about who this Jesus is. And as we look at what he says about who Jesus is, I think it may clear up some misunderstandings that some people, maybe maybe you, have about who Jesus is. So I want us to read together in 2 Peter, just two verses to start with, chapter 1, Verses one and two, his introductory comments, his greetings in this letter he's writing to believers and to us. So 2 Peter chapter one, verse one, Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who, who have received a faith of the same kind as ours. He said, to, to all you other believers out there, uh, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now look at that again at the end of the verse. He says that Jesus Christ is our God and our Savior. Two words to describe who Jesus is, our God and our Savior. Now verse two, he says to the believers, to us, he says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our, what's the word? Our Lord. So three things, God, Savior, Lord. Now jump over to chapter two, verse one. Chapter two, verse one. He said, but false prophets also arose among the people just as there will be false teachers among you. He said, there are gonna be a lot of people who are saying things about God, about Jesus, and they're wrong. They have their ideas and they contradict or they twist and distort what God has told us about who he is in his word. You're going to have religious people, people of philosophy. You're going to have people who think they're smarter than everybody else saying things and it's false. And he says in verse one of chapter two, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, belief systems that end up destroying lives and hurting people. Even denying the master who bought them, referring to Jesus who purchased us on the cross when he shed his blood. And here's the the fourth thing about Jesus, master. So four things about who Jesus is. He is God, he is Lord, he is Savior, he is master. I want us to look briefly, just briefly, at each of those fours. Jesus is our God, he says. That means he's the creator of the universe. Being God, the Bible teaches that Jesus is eternal. He did not begin at Bethlehem when he was born as a baby. He was from forever and will be forever. So he is God, he is the creator, he is eternal and he is almighty. Yet, he chose. To be born as a baby. The angel speaking to the shepherds the evening Jesus was born said, you will find a baby wrapped. I think the King James translation is swaddling clothes. Think of it like a, a towel, if you will. It's just a piece of cloth and they wrap this newborn. Jesus, the eternal God, almighty God, was born as a baby. And as such, listen, Jesus cried just like babies cry. Jesus had dirty diapers, just like babies have dirty diapers. Jesus learned to talk and learn to walk like babies do. And Jesus had to learn to feed himself the way babies do. And, and, and babies are messy when they're learning to eat, aren't they? It's it's driving home the lesson, the truth that the God of the universe who created you understands you because he came and took upon himself humanity in theology we say Jesus was the God man that he's God but at Bethlehem the incarnation he also took up on himself human nature and so we refer to Jesus as fully God and fully man do we totally understand that no and that's okay because I'm going to tell you something if your little brain can fully understand God he's not God so he's fully God and fully man and he knew what life was light because he lived it. When you're lonely, he understands. When people lie to you, people hurt you, people abuse you, he understands. When you're afraid, he's walked in our shoes, so to speak, only without sin, but he lived and he died. And so when the Bible says that, that God is touched that Jesus is touched, moved by our infirmities, our weaknesses, our struggles, our fears. (laughs) Yeah, God gets it. And so who is Jesus? He's God, but not a, a God who is off somewhere and doesn't understand you, but a God who has experienced life and knows your struggles and identifies with you. But not only is Jesus God, He's Lord. You know what that means. He's in charge. He rules. He he reigns, if you will. And the Bible tells us that at the next coming of Jesus, that second, that future advent, when that one happens, that every knee. And it will bow and every tongue will confess or acknowledge that Jesus really is Lord. In other words, all the critics and all the skeptics and all the complainers and all the negative people and all those who make fun of you for your faith, every single one of them. The next time Jesus comes, their knees will hit the ground. And with their own words, they will say, He really is Lord, and I was wrong. Who's Jesus? He's God, and he's Lord. But when Jesus came at Bethlehem, he didn't come with a royal entourage. His mother Mary took that little baby and wrapped him in that, that towel or whatever it was, that piece of cloth, and and she laid him in a manger in a, in a feeding trough. Probably had hay to make it soft. When mom and dad brought me home from the hospital in January of 1958, that little house they were renting the first night, they didn't have a crib, so they pulled out a dresser drawer and emptied it, put it in the floor and put a blanket in that drawer, and that's what I slept in that first night. Jesus, when, when he came, didn't sit on a, on a, on a royal throne. The, they didn't place him as a little a baby in the, the nicest, fanciest, most well-equipped, professionally decorated nursery any mom and dad ever had. They put him in a feeding trough. The Lord, the creator of the God, Lord Jesus, a baby in a feeding trough, in a manger. There's a, there's a humility there. And as an adult, there were many nights Jesus slept on the ground. And when our Lord died on that cross, his only possessions were the clothes he was wearing. And the soldiers gambled over those. As our Lord, what did he do? He served. He served. The evening before his crucifixion, Jesus was with his disciples. And back then when people walked, they wore sandals, their feet got dirty and it was customary to have a pail of water at the entrance to the house so somebody could wash their feet. And if you were wealthy and had servants, your servants would wash your guest feet. And that evening, Jesus gets on his knees with a towel and a bucket of water. And he washes his disciples' feet. And he says, if you're going to be great in my kingdom, you'll learn how to serve. And that's our Lord. And he's still serving. He's serving you. If you know him, he's serving you. One occasion, Jesus was speaking, and he said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. And then Jesus said, In my Father's house, talking about the heavenly home, are many dwelling places, many rooms. And I go to prepare a place for you. I go to to get ready to prepare a place for you. And then he said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I'm coming back that second advent so that I can receive you, welcome you to me, to myself, so that you can be where I am. What's Jesus doing to serve you? He's getting your place in heaven ready. (laughs) That's your Lord. Is he getting the place ready for you? Is he getting the place ready for you? So Jesus is God and Jesus is Lord, but third, Jesus is our savior. He rescues us, he saves us from sin and the consequences of it, death and, and, and hell. The Bible says we, we've all sinned and because of that we're all going to die. And without saving by Jesus, because of our sin, we're all going to go to hell. Joseph was engaged to be married to Mary. And she was pregnant. It wasn't his child. And one evening while he was asleep, God sent an angel to talk to him. And the angel explained everything and said, it's God's child. It's okay, raise him. And the angel said to Joseph, because he will, listen to this, he will save his people from their sins. Jesus was born to save you by dying for you. Your savior, instead of wearing a, a crown of gold and silver with all these expensive jewels, Wore a crown of thorns. And rather than sitting on a golden throne, he had bronze nails driven through his wrists and feet into the cross. Your Savior saved you by sacrificing Himself in your place. Paying the penalty for your sin so you would not have to. By dying a very, very, very painful death so that He could save you from yourself and your sin. Is He your Savior? Is He your Lord? Is He your God? And then finally, Jesus is master. In the book of Revelation, which talks in part about the next time Jesus comes, we're told that he will rule the nations with a rod of iron. As king of kings and lord of lords and yet this master who will rule the universe with a rod of iron, this master loves you and treats you like a son or daughter. Matthew 11, Jesus issued an invitation. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, a a yoke put on an oxen so you could make him work and plow. Think of it like a bridle on a horse so you can ride it. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, a symbol of submission and subjection and obedience and service. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because some of the things you think are not quite right. And you need to let me teach you before you make a mess of everything, make a a bigger mess of everything. You need to learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, he says, is easy And my burden is light. Jesus treats you like a loving father, not an abusive one. A loving father. He treats you like a son or a daughter. How are you treating him? Have you come to him? Do you want to come to him? Is he your Savior? My mom, when she was 37 years old, started going to church. Now, not long before that, myself, my sister, and brother and I had started going to church and become believers. And mom and dad were lost and not going to church. And mom started going to church. My sister and I were with our youth group is in the summer and our youth group had gone to Ridgecrest, the camp up near Asheville. And while we were with our youth group, Mom had started attending Sunday school as well as worship at, at the church. And she was in a, a small ladies Sunday school class. They sat around, you know, these a couple of these eight foot tables At the end of the class that day, they went around and did what we call sentence prayers. In other words, everybody at the table just says a sentence, one sentence as a prayer. God, thank you for today. Thank you for my family. We love you, Jesus. Help so-and-so. You know, just a real quick sentence prayer. And when when it got to mom, mom prayed out loud in front of that class, God, help me become a Christian. And her Sunday school teacher picked up on that and the teacher and another lady and our pastor, while we were at Ridgecrest, went to visit mom in our house and shared the gospel of Jesus with her. Mom prayed and gave her life to Jesus that, that night. and She was radically changed. I've got, I've got pictures of mom. She was 37 then. I've got pictures of mom reading her Bible because every day, Every day after that, she would sit down and read her Bible until, in the last year, dementia made it impossible for her to do so. Because that evening in her house, Jesus became her Savior, her Lord, her Master, her God. What is He in your life? Can you with confidence say, he's my God? With absolute assurance, say, he's my savior. With integrity, say, he's my Lord. And with a heart overflowing with love, say, he's my master. Can you say that? If you cannot Tonight, this morning, right now, right now, this morning can be the very moment all of that changes. And with a smile on your face and joy in your soul, you can say, Jesus is mine. He's my savior. He's my Lord, my master, my God. You can say it. And all the the fighting that's going on right now in your heart and your mind can vanish All the blame and all the excuses can stop. And you can know peace. And you can have a reason to smile. But you've got to say yes to it, you have to say yes to Him. So I'm going to ask pastors to come and stand here at the front as all of us in this room stand to our feet now. We're going to sing a song and I'm inviting you to come to one of these pastors and say, I want Jesus to be my savior and they will talk with you and lead you in a prayer of repentance of your sin and committing your life to Jesus Christ. Take the very first step. I promise you something. If you will make yourself take the first step, the next will come easy. Choose. Jesus came for you. Now it's your turn to come to him. You can also come to one of these pastors to join this church or ask for baptism. Others of you to kneel at this altar. You're saved, but you haven't been treating Jesus well. And you need to get on your knees and apologize ask forgiveness and start treating him better. Maybe there's someone you want to pray for. Come to the altar and pray. Come to one of these pastors and give your life to Jesus. As we sing, come. So start walking. Come on, right now, quickly. Come on, right now, quickly. Come on.